Blog Talk Radio. You ready, sister? All right, let's take us a songbook and turn to number 307, stand together. 307. Saul sang, Revive Us Again. We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for thy spirit of life, who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain. Who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, by the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, by the glory. Revive us again. Amen. Well, good Sunday morning to you. Praise God. It's good to be in the Lord's house, isn't it? Amen. Amen. It's good to be anywhere, but it's sure good to be here. And I'm glad to see all y'all here this morning. Uh, let's just do this before we take off into anything else. Could I, could I get you to hit that happy birthday for me one time? Sure. Whose birthday? Huh? Whose birthday? Tammy had a birthday. Oh, yeah. Tammy had a birthday. <laughs> Actually, Cole had a birthday. Cole ain't here this morning, is he? He's in there. Go get him, please, for me. Would you do that real quick? I'll, I'll filibuster until you get back. <laughs> Or at least I said I would. I don't know what I'm going to talk about now. But anyway, well, God's good, amen? <laughs> I know that for sure. And uh, just praise God. Um, Bubba got moved to the nursing home. Just, so he's in rehab? He's there. in rehab. Okay. Good Yeah, come on. Come on in here. we got to take care of this. Okay. All right. Well, it's it, Tammy and Cole both had a birthday this week, so let's sing happy birthday to them. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Prayer requests this morning. Thank you. 
lift her up in prayer. She'd get well and get over all that. Right. Mm. Dustin had surgery? Yeah. I didn't know. Oh. Mm-hmm. I had that done. And then they also, like, the ones that found them. Right. And they said, like, yeah, it's a plastic that they found. Okay. They did see it. It's just like a ball stopped up. He said he tried the main part. He said, okay, we need to do it. He said, it's so sick. He said, we need to do it. He said, we need to do it. He said, we need to do it. Yeah. Right. I know exactly how it is, and that ain't no fun. Like I said, I had a little water pick device that I used that worked real well. It flushed you from one side through the other or whatever. But, but yeah, I know. I'll tell him I, I feel for him because I've had that done. <coughs> right. All right. Others? Prayer requests? Okay. All right. God honor silent prayer request too. Amen. Miss Charlotte? Unspoken. Mama? Okay. Right. Yeah. She was. She called me yesterday. We talked about that a little while. Yeah. Said it. You know her. I told her not to move much. You want her brain rattling around in there. But she said it was her legs leaking out, and, and uh, but they can fix it. So, so pray that they get that fixed. Hey, Amen. I'm glad y'all made it. Amen. Good to see y'all. I was gonna I was gonna mention that we're gonna have a wedding here Wednesday night. We're still on, right? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna get them married this Wednesday night. She was sick or you were sick. It was you, wasn't it? It was him, right? Right. He was sick last week, so we we got everybody straightened out and we're gonna have a wedding Wednesday night after service. We won't have a long service, we'll try to make it quick as we can and then we'll have we'll have a wedding like we did with Dan and Anya and then we'll have a little reception and back afterwards. Uh, but y'all, y'all pray all that goes well. We don't have no rehearsals or nothing, so we're just going to wing it. So, but it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, I got a prayer request. Um, a very dear friend of mine. I've known him on Facebook for a very long time. He's up in Virginia. He's a retired uh, Navy seaman, and his he he's just started a church up there, and. He has a little girl who has brain aneurysm. She was born with, and they told. I've, I've talked about her before. They told. They told him, you know, love on her all you can, because she may be gone just like that any time. And he has a son who also. And I'm trying to remember. I don't want to do it. I want to do it justice. I want to say he has muscular sclerosis. I'm not positive about that, but he had COVID real, real bad, and he almost died of COVID. And they got they got him over that. But last night he went into full cardiac arrest, and they had to bring him back. And as of this morning, he he was somewhat stable. But you know, he just he made a post last night. He said we put Joseph in, we've committed him to God's hands. It's all up to him now. What happens? But his son, he's still young. I want to say he's like maybe nineteen, twenty years age, and been in a wheelchair all his life. But his sweet, sweet kid, and pray for him. Pray for pray for Joseph Howe. And uh, his parents, uh, John, David, and Amy Howe, because they're sweet Christian people, and and they've just gone through such tremendous, uh, tremendous stress and and hardships in their life. And I, I just I told him last night. I said, you know, I, I, I admire you, John, because I 
I, I think to myself, I don't know if I'd have the strength that you have, but I know it comes from Jesus, and it just a, it's a testimony to what God can do and how God can give grace to even the most difficult circumstances. And I just praise him for that. Yes. <clears throat> Okay. All right. Yes, Cole. All right. We'll pray for that. I know that ain't no fun neither. Um, I wanted to mention Anya's brother. Now, what's his name? Yeah, it's on the prayer list. Ian. Ian. Yeah, he he lives over in uh, in uh, Cornwall, England. I just want to give God a little praise this morning. Um, you know, I, I read the prayer request on the prayer list about her brother, and and I just happened to remember, hey, I've got a Facebook friend in Cornwall, England. I've known her for about 12 years, a good Christian lady who's followed my ministry. And so I sent her a message, and I said, I said I've got a church member who's got a brother who they think he may have cancer and don't know if he's saved and, and uh, sure wish somebody could witness to him. And she got on the ball and got a hold of some people, and, and turns out he's only about 12 miles up the road from where she lives. And so it's amazing how God God put her into my life, like I said, about 12 years ago, long before he put Anya into my life, and, and I ever knew about her brother. But God prepared that ahead of time. So, I mean, I'm just, y'all pray for him. I want him to get saved. I want, I want God to do something there. So it's just, I, I just, I'm amazed at, at how God works. And he's truly amazing. All right. Anything else before we pray this morning? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord. Oh, we need to lift Grant and Bonnie up. I, well, we we talk we talk about them so much this morning. I guess we didn't think about it, but yes, we need to lift them up in prayer. And again, I, I urge you to go see Grant. Uh, I didn't get to go this weekend, but I'm going to go first part of this week. Please go see him and visit him. It means so much to him, and I know it bless you to get to talk to him and visit with him. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us. Amen. You can be seated. And his 
born anew a ransom child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud hearts ring. Tis a ransomed army like a mighty sea, feeling for the anthem of the free. Ring the bells of heaven, spread the feast today. Angels swell the glad triumphant strain. Tell the joyful tidings, bear it far away, for a precious soul is born again. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis a ransomed army like a mighty sea, feeling for the anthem of the free. All right, let's turn over to number 50. Number 50, I am resolved. Amen. And you know what? A Christian will never be at peace until they get that way. You'll never be happy in your Christian life until you get resolved that you're going to live it for God. I am resolved no longer to linger Charmed by the world's delight Things that are higher, things that are nobler These have allured my sight I will hasten to him Hasten so glad and free Jesus, greatest, highest I will come to thee I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he has the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, great and highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is a living way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, great is highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. And the last, I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. 
turn to number 44. Amen. You're right about that. Praise God. 44. I am, I am thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Let's sing the last. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Amen. Praise the Lord. I am so thankful for the old hymns of the faith. They just, they're a second witness to what the Bible says. So thankful. It's good to be in God's house this morning. I look forward to Sunday. I really do. I don't know if everybody feels like I feel, but I look forward to being in God's house. Um, it might have something to do with the fact that I'm saved. It might have something to do with the fact that this is what I'm called by the Lord to do, but I'm just, I feel privileged. I really do. I feel, I feel like it's an honor and a privilege to get to stand and preach the Word of God. I'm so thankful that God called me to be a preacher. And uh, we're going to turn the Bible this morning to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to look at verse 32 through 43 this morning. And I don't really have a title on this, so uh, I'll figure that out later. And, uh, but, but last week we were talking about the Apostle Paul and his, his, uh, his time right after he got saved was spent down in the Arabian Desert. Uh, he was down there for about three years with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason we call Paul the Apostle Paul. We don't just call him Paul. And uh, You know, I, let me just say this before I start. There's a difference between a disciple and an apostle. Okay? You and I can be disciples of the Lord, but none of us can be apostles. And uh, the difference between a disciple and an apostle, well, an apostle is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, but an apostle has seen the Lord Jesus Christ visibly embodied. All of the 
all of the 12 had seen and walked with Jesus every single day in, in his body, visibly. But the Apostle Paul, he was called into the ministry after Jesus' resurrection. He saw Jesus Christ in body, in person, but he was not a believer. Uh, Jesus literally taught Paul on that, in that desert all by himself during those three years and when he left that desert and came back to Damascus, he again, they wanted to kill him, so they ran him out of town, or they were, they were going to kill him, so he had to leave, and they let him down in a garbage basket. And he went back to Jerusalem. They couldn't find anybody, anywhere anybody wanted to have anything to do with him, and Barnabas brought him into the church. And, uh, you know, at this time, he'd already been with Jesus three years. He's very fired up. He's got the fire of God in his soul, and he wants to go win the world of Christ. So he immediately goes to the one place he shouldn't have went, which is to the, the synagogue of the Libertines, where the people got aggravated when Stephen preached the message of his life, and it literally was. It was the last one. And uh, and they stoned him to death. And he went back since he held their coats, and he went back and he, he tried to reason with them about Christ. And when he did, they, 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 they sought to kill him. And so the the believers there sent him off to, uh, to down to Caesarea, and he got on a boat and he sailed back to his home city in what's now modern-day Turkey, in the city of Tarsus. So let's read in the Bible this morning, Acts chapter 9, 32 through 43. I'm going to try not to keep you this morning, but I can't make any promises. i got to get to the end of this chapter today, so just bear with me, pay attention. You listen fast, and I'll talk fast, okay? We'll make a deal on that. All right, <clears throat> let's read. Begin verse 32, Acts chapter 9. And it came to pass, as Peter... Passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelled at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which he had, had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise, make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. And there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, and whom, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when she had called the saints and widows, presented her, when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, before you I bow and I ask you for your mercy and your grace. I ask you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Ghost. Lord God, I know that I can do nothing of myself. Father, I know that I need you. Lord God, I stand before these people, and Lord, I stand before 
Lord, the world on this Internet. And, Lord, I have your, your Bible in front of me, your holy book. And, Lord, I have your Holy Ghost within me. And I pray, Father, for unction from on high. Lord, pour yourself out this morning. Pour the Spirit of God out of my life. Lord, use me this morning. I want to be a help and a blessing. Lord, I realize, Lord, we're standing at the precipice of, of this whole world turning upside down. Lord, we're standing uh, looking out at the end that's, that's coming quickly. And, Lord, it means something whether or not we are a, a, a effective as a believer in this world. Lord, we may not realize it like we ought to, but I pray by the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, you'd open our eyes and help us to understand this morning that it's so important that we make the most of our Christian life, however much we have remaining, before we meet thee face to face. Lord God, please help me to preach. Use me this morning. Help me to say exactly what ought to be said and the way it ought to be said. I want you to control my tongue, control my mind, control my actions, control everything about me. Lord, I pray you fill me with your spirit, fill your people with your spirit, speak to them through me. Lord, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, and I ask these saying his name. Amen. All right. Well, I kind of covered my little intro there. So, <clears throat> again, we, when we... We have seen here that the emphasis has, has turned from the Apostle Paul to the Apostle Peter. And it's going to continue that way. Paul's in Tarsus, and he's not really mentioned again until, until chapter 13. So from now until chapter 9, we're focused on the ministry of Peter. And when we get back to chapter 13, that'll, that'll uh, begin the ministry of Paul and Barnabas in Antioch, and that'll continue out throughout the rest of the book. But let's look there in verse 32. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Uh, that word Lydda, there it can be translated Lydia, it's, it's, but that's the name anyway. But, but the church, again, we, the church began to expand not because of people saying, oh, let's go preach the gospel here, there, and yonder. It started to expand because of persecution. Because it had, had God not allowed persecution, again, everybody would have just sat there in Jerusalem and been happy with what they had because that's the tendency of our flesh. God sent them a scatterer. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, on what Stephen and at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of, Jeru of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Remember, if you will, what took place in, during the preaching of Peter and James and John. We saw just in a short time some 20,000 people saved from the day of Pentecost uh, forward we saw and, and more than that got saved because they were continuing to get saved in spite of the persecution so you had well over over 20,000 people who then scattered out of Jerusalem all except for the disciples the apostles rather so you had 20,000 people in a small country going every which way so that put Christians everywhere so they went throughout all Judea and and so, and then when you look down in verse 4 of that same chapter, the Bible says again, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word of God. They had boldness where they went. Just like Peter, James, and John, they had seen the boldness of them 
and, and, and that gives them boldness. They, they say, you know what, if God will help them, if God will be with them in their hour, God will be with me. That's how revival happens, you see. You just have one believer who gets on their knees and repents of the sin in their life and seeks God's favor and his power and seeks to serve him, and they get up from there, and others say, wow, I need that in my life too. And they hit their knees, and then more hit their knees, and pretty soon a whole church gets consumed with a revival. That began taking place there in Jerusalem, and they scattered everywhere, sharing Christ and Holy Ghost power, and many are saved. And it's amazing to me how God used Paul to scatter them everywhere. All right? He scattered them everywhere through persecution. Then God saved him and then used him to gather them. It's amazing how God did that. God, you know, and the perfect one to do it because, again, he knew, he knew the law backwards and forwards. So when he got saved with Christ giving him a, a tutorial on everything, Man, what a powerful witness he was. What a powerful preacher he became. And God used him because everybody had seen what he was, and they were like, wow, what a change has taken place. God did that on purpose. He didn't just accidentally get Paul. He had Paul selected. But anyway, the gospel went scattered throughout Judea, and again, they're sharing Christ everywhere. And then we see Philip, after he leaves the revival, which he went down to at Samaria, where everybody down there gets saved. You remember what happened with Simon the sorcerer and all that. Uh, so, and then God says, go down there and go toward uh, Gaza. And when you get down there, hey, uh, you're going to meet a guy. And, or he didn't tell him that. He told him to go, didn't he? And then he told him to join himself to the, to the eunuch. And the eunuch gets saved. And, and he baptized him. So he comes out of the water. He's no longer there. He's way over yonder in Azotus, over on the coast. And he preaches in Azotus. And then he goes up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea all the way up to Caesarea. So he, he's preaching as he goes and, and starting churches along the way, all up, all up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. So Peter was led of the Holy Ghost at, at this time to go and check on all those beliefs. So Peter leaves Jerusalem, and he heads, he heads uh, northwest up a road towards, uh, towards Caesarea up in that region, region. So he winds up in this town named Lydda. Um, he left there on a, on, a, on a mission. He went to minister. He went to find those believers that they had ministered to in Jerusalem. He went to find how they were doing, and he went to edify them. He went to teach them of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost that works in believers' lives and the gifts that the Holy Ghost imparts to those believers in order for them to be more effective for Christ. That was his point. He went to help to edify the saints. And notice the word saints there in our text. Notice that it says that he went and he passed through all quarters and he came also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Can I say something to you this morning? We are not striving to be saints. You and I are not striving to be saints. We are saints. God God calls us saints. Uh, you know, the Catholic Church has, has messed that up in a lot of people's understanding. Because they, they take people and they almost deify them. They give them the title of Saint so-and-so. And, and that's just not so. That's Saint Dan sitting back there on the back row back there. There's Saint Joanne on the front here. Right? There's Saint Tammy. There's Saint Robert. There's, there's Saint Shirley. Saint Nate. I mean, all of us in here that we believe on Christ, we're saints. Now, you don't go around with that on your driver's license, but that's what you are. Amen. You're a saint 
If you're a child of God, if you've been washed in the blood and your sins have been forgiven, then you're a saint. So I just wanted to say that just so you understand that. Uh, so Peter, Peter came down, or actually went up to Lydda. And when he got there, the Bible tells us that he met a man named Aeneas. And that man had been paralyzed for eight years. Look at verse 33. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. That keeping his bed, that just simply means he had to stay on a bed. He had to stay on a mat because he was sick of the palsy. Or he, had, he was paralyzed and couldn't walk. I want us to learn what we can from this situation this morning. I want you to answer a question for me. Do you believe that it's possible for a Christian to get so settled down in their their Christian life and get so satisfied in their Christian life and be so satisfied that they're almost paralyzed from doing anything for the Lord? Is it possible? I believe so. And I think that's what we're going to look at today. I think that's what we're going to learn today from this story. You see, Aeneas is a believer. Peter didn't go down there to the lost. He went down there to visit the churches, and he found Aeneas there. And here's a believer. And Aeneas has been in this condition for eight years, sitting on his little mat, and he he gotten used to it. He just kind of accepted, well, hey, you know, I'm paralyzed. That's the way things are, and I'm just going to have to come to live with it. And I believe there's a lot of Christians who have come to a point in their Christian life where they're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with what i got right here. I'm satisfied with the way things are. And, I, you know, I really don't care to get any deeper into this Christian life. I'm satisfied where I am. You know what that sounds like? There's a church in the Bible that sounds like. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Laodicea, over there in Revelation chapter 3. Let me, let me refresh your memory this morning. Revelation three seventeen says, Christ says, Because thou sayest, I'm rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art, these are God's words, wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind and naked. But they said, oh, we don't need anything. We're satisfied. I'm satisfied with my Christian life. I don't have any striving to do for anything. I mean, I don't need me striving for this and striving for that to get better. I'm okay. I'm all right. I don't need to grow anymore. I'm good enough. I'm grown up as much as I want to grow. I'm just fine. I'm satisfied, y'all. I'm in a comfort zone. I don't want to move. You know, I've heard preachers say that I want to have a deeper prayer life, but I'm fine. I really am. I'm okay. I've heard preachers say how to surrender to God and give him my life. But you know, i got a full life. You don't understand how busy I am. I'm busy. i got things going on. I'm okay. I'm fine. I've heard preachers say, I ought to read my Bible every day. I ain't got that much time. I'm fine. 
Did y'all know that, that if you did it continuously, you could read this entire Bible through in 70 hours? That's not a long time. Now, nobody's going to stay up three days to read the Bible. I understand that. But it can be read through in 70 hours. Did you know that if you read your Bible one hour every day, just one hour every day, so I ain't got an hour to spare. Well, if you got up earlier, you could. Or you played up later, you could. But if you read just one hour of the Bible every day, you could read your entire Bible through two and a half times in a year. Almost three times, all the way through. Even if you only read the Bible for a half hour every day, you could read it through almost twice in a year. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of y'all read your Bible through in, a, you know, in the last year or so because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But it convicts me when I read these things. It convicts me when I say these things because I wonder, you know, 30 minutes, 30 minutes we could read it through twice in a year, and I wonder how much time we devote to that cell phone every day. I wonder how much time we spend looking at it. I know my cell phone will tell me every week how many hours I've spent looking at it. Y'all do that? Y'all don't do that? It's, it's just somewhere if you look for it. But I guarantee you, I give that cell phone way too much time. And you probably do too. It would almost lead us to believe that we had made an idol out of our phone. You know... We could set out to try and read the Bible through, but it might stress us out. It might get us out of our comfort zone. But you know, the Bible tells us in Romans thirteen eleven, and that knowing the time, it's now now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For it, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Listen, we're getting closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God says, "Time to snap out of it." It's time to wake up. It ain't time to bow your head. I mean, don't bow your head. It ain't time to pray. It's time to get alert and get to serving God. See, I'm fearful that we're not prepared for the times that are coming. There are times coming, maybe before the Lord comes to get us out of here, that we're going to face some really difficult stuff. We're going to face some really hard times. And it would be, and, and it's very easy for us to get backslidden now and to give up now and to back up now. What's going to happen when it gets harder to do it? The world and its inconveniences, and there's plenty of, well, I say inconveniences, the world and its conveniences. We live in a, we live in a soft society. I guarantee if I was to ask Miss Mel how things were when she was a girl versus how things are now, and she said, talk to us about an hour on it, we'd find out just how easy we got it now. I know. I, I know how my I know how my Papa Cleveland lived up in rural Arkansas. I know he was a farmer. He got everything off the ground. I mean, everything came from that old land up there. He took care of it all. He didn't have nobody handing him handouts. He didn't have no conveniences, modern stuff. They did everything with coal oil lanterns before electricity hit. I mean, listen, it was tough back then. Outhouses. Listen, it, it was rough. They just had a breezeway through the house. There wasn't no air conditioning and fans. We're soft and undisciplined. And it makes us easy to get into a routine which is convenient for us rather than what God wants us to have. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you're going to have to exercise your faith. Amen? We have to get out of our comfort zone. 
We have to get some fire in our souls and do something with the remaining precious time that we have left here on this earth. And we don't know how much time that is. See, if we're not careful, we can get like Aeneas. We can get used to the condition we're in and accept it as just the way it is. So Peter comes along. And he sees Aeneas sitting there in the church and this he's satisfied with his helpless condition. But Peter couldn't make Aeneas whole. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Preacher can't surrender to God for you. He can't compel you to do it. Only Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God can draw you to that. Look here in verse 34. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. See, when the Lord got a hold of him, he was whole. There wasn't any need for him to continue to sit there and do nothing anymore. Immediately, what did he do? He got up, he rolled up his bed, and he didn't sit there anymore. He didn't he didn't spend his time sitting on his bed. He didn't need it for sitting around anymore. He only needed a bed to lay down on. He didn't sleep. He didn't need it anymore. Notice what happens when people get up and start living for God, because that's what happens. I mean, he got up. He quit sitting around doing nothing. I mean, God made him whole. He healed him. He wasn't the same anymore. He didn't spend his day the same anymore. He had a reason to get up and go now. Verse 35, And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Believe it or not, this world is looking for a real Christian. They really are. And I'm going to tell you, most of the lost people around us, they don't even believe that Christianity really exists. Because they haven't seen it. Most of them have never seen a real Christian. They've only heard about it. Most people who claim to be Christians live exactly the same way the world does, the lost world. There ain't no difference. I mean, we haven't seen multitudes get saved in decades. Not in churches, maybe at a revival here and there and yonder, but we don't see it on a regular basis in churches. We don't see multitudes get saved. I know, listen, I know... I know there are plenty of churches that run buses all over the place and they'll get out and knock the door and, and run somebody through a prayer, put them on a bus, baptize them and say that's a convert, but that don't make converts when they don't come back and they don't care anymore. They didn't stick. Amen? There wasn't no conviction. There wasn't no conversion. It was just a number wrote down on a, on a board somewhere. God has to be at work. The Holy Ghost of God has to move and draw men to salvation. We haven't seen that working like that in a long time in America. And the reason for that is that Christians have gotten backslidden and the newer generation doesn't believe it's real because they've grown up with backslidden parents. That's what's happening to our country. I guarantee you that there's games, NFL games all over this country today, and I guarantee you they're not going to stand there looking up the stands going, what are the world people are today? Basketball games, are they going now? I guess they are. I don't know, baseball, baseball is about different. Or baseball is done, but you know what? I, when they had that World Series, you know, there wasn't, they wasn't people, there wasn't vacant seats in them stadiums. You go down to Walmart after church lets out. 
I guarantee you, they won't be a, a lax people. But I look in here, and there's a lot of empty seats. And I bet you if I go down to First Baptist Church down yonder, I bet you they got some empty seats. I bet you if we go to any church in this town, there's plenty of empty seats. I bet you wouldn't have a hard time finding a seat in any church in Clarkson, Texas today. And that's a sad state. That's a sad state of reality. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He wants us to separate from evil. He wants us to have a difference between us and the lost. God wants us to get serious about the Christian life and not sit around and do nothing but get up and serve God. He says, depart from that. Don't sit down there and say, I can't do nothing. Don't sit down there and say, I'm fine. Don't sit down there and say, I don't need it. You get up. God has called you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. What does that mean? That means if it has filth in it, we shouldn't be watching it. Right? If it has filthy words in it, we shouldn't be reading it. If it's talking about filth, we shouldn't be listening to it. We are to abstain even from the appearance of evil. We're separate. We all not we all not screwed up to the line and say, I'm gonna get as close as like a little kid. I, you told me not to go there, I'm gonna get as close as I can. See, I'm sitting there, look how close I am. That's the way little kids do. As Christians act like little kids. They say, they make excuses. Say, well, I wasn't really over the line. I was just right next to it. I wasn't going to get over there. I was just right next to it. No, we'll get right up next to evil. Yeah. I know plenty of people that do that trying to blame me Christian. <clears throat> I mean, we're not supposed to be entertained by evil. Amen? We're children of the Most High God. We ought to look. We ought, we ought to find. There's plenty of things to be entertained with without having to go to Hollywood. There's plenty of things to be entertained with without having to, without having to, to go to the filth of this old world. There's plenty of enjoyment and entertainment in life without having to turn to something that's not right. Matthew five sixteen says, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Which means to me that listen. God says if we will live for Christ, if we will depart from evil, if we'll separate unto him, if we'll get up from our backsliding and say, Lord, I need more of you. Please, God, please make yourself real in my life. Lord, please let others see you in me. The light of Christ begin to shine from your life. It'll begin to shine forth in your words. It'll begin to shine forth in your actions, in your countenance, and others will see it. The world's looking for a real Christian. Someone that can say, God has made a difference in that life. He is real. Matthew 5.13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. You know what salt does? You know why God says that? Salt prevents corruption. You know, people used to go out to the smokehouse, they'd cover a ham in salt. Why? Because it keeps it from rotting. It cures it. Salt prevents corruption. And that's what we are called as believers to do in this present world. Our presence prevents corruption. Why is this world so bad? Why is America in the depths of, seemingly in the depths of hell before she gets there? Why are we sinking in the mire? I'll tell you why. It's because there ain't enough Christians to make a difference anymore. 
That's why. Plain and simple. Our presence is to hinder corruption. And it will not do that if we get satisfied and simply blend in with the world. <clears throat> I'll never forget this. I've told this story. I'm going to tell it again because it made such a powerful impact on me. When I went with my friend Leonard Johnson to Wiley, Texas, to that minister's conference, and I went to get chairs that day, and we went and we ate, we ate a meal there, a fellowship meal, went into the to the meeting, and they were having their missions conference, the Southern Baptist Missions Conference, and I wasn't interested in all. I'm just sitting there trying to get through it, waiting until it's over with. And as a lady stood up during prayer requests, and she said, and I'm just going to make up a name. I'm like, I don't know. I'll call them the Millers. She said, she said, brother moderator, she said, I want us to pray. Said the Millers, a missionary family, they've been down in South America for 24 years. Said, and they just come back to America, and it's culture shock for them. Things have changed so much in the last 24 years. They're just in shock. Said, I want us to pray for them that they'll get adjusted. And I had to fight with everything in me, not stand up on my feet and scream. I wonder, God, we all get culture shock. We all need culture shock. We all need to be freaked out and offended by what we see around us, but we're not because we're used to the dark, folks. You see, when you go outside, you come out of, a, out of a light, and you go out into a dark night where there's no stars in the sky, you can't see your hand in front of your face, hardly. But give it about ten minutes, and your eyes will adjust to the dark, and you'll begin to see things. See, that's what happens. We get adjusted to the dark of this world. The Bible says the light that's in me see darkness. How great is that darkness? The only way we can prevent evil and corruption is to separate from the evil and take a stand for God. Ephesians 6.13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God doesn't intend for this world to whoop us down and get us down on the ground and stomp on us and put his foot on our throat. He intends for us to stand in his power and his strength in his armor. Drawing nigh to him and listening to him for orders and carrying forth the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, wearing the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of, of truth, and the shoes of the gospel of peace and the helmet of salvation. God intends for us to go forth in his power and fight and stand for God. Verse 36. Now we turn to another, the other one, and I've got seven minutes. I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. And you're going to notice that a lot of times there are two names for one person. That's because Tabitha was her Assyrian name. They called her Tabitha in Assyrian, but Dorcas was a Greek name. And uh, she was a, the Bible says this woman was full of good works and alms deeds that she did. Uh, she was a disciple. I want you to notice that word there. It says she was a disciple. Now, she was also a saint. Don't get me wrong. She was a saint. All disciples are saints, but not all saints are disciples. Let me explain. To be a saint 
One has to be forgiven. One has to be washed in the blood of Jesus, saved. You're a saint. But to be a disciple, one has to be a willing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, one who listens to him and follows his commandments. There are people who are saved who have been washed in the blood of Jesus who have gotten vaccinated, and they're not following Jesus. Matter of fact, they're, they're following far off. They, they look like the rest of the world, it's like Peter did that he was trying to do that night Jesus was, uh, before Jesus was crucified. And a lot of people have just kind of backed off. They're not disciples because they're not disciplined. And that's what disciple leads, leads us to understand. We're disciplined in following the Lord Jesus. That's what makes us a disciple. So let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple of Jesus? And I'm not just talking to you in here. I'm talking to these people out here too. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Do you follow the Lord? Do you seek to know what the Bible says? Do you seek to know the commandments that he's given us, and do you seek to follow them? Are you happy to do the Lord's will? Is that where you find your happiness is in pleasing Jesus? Do you desire to have a deeper relationship with Christ? Do you have a desire to grow in grace? and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, that's what a disciple is. And Tabitha was a disciple. The Scripture tells us that she was full of good works and good alms deeds, which she did. She was the kind of woman who would, let, would not let anybody go hungry or thirsty or cold without a garment put on. She was the kind of woman who took care of everybody around her. She had grace in her heart. She reached out to her neighbors, and when, and when they were in need, she helped people. Alms deeds is a little different because it, it, it's acts of giving to the poor and to the needy. It's not just helping out your neighbors and those who are close to you and family and friends. This is helping people you don't even know. These are people that just come around and just need something, and she was that way. She, had a, she may have had a ministry of making clothes, it sounds like, and coats for the needy. She was willing to give of what she had to strangers who were in need. She was a good woman, and she took care of those around her. She had a great value to the church and to the community around her. What a wonderful Christian lady Tabitha is. And the Bible tells us in verse 37, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. I mean, the truth of it is, we get sick. There's no, there's no getting around it. Just because she was a Christian didn't save her from that. But it's all in God's will. And the custom of the Jews, when somebody died, was first thing they did, they washed the body. Then they would apply spices to the body. There was no embalming. So they applied spices to cover any smell. And they wrapped it in clean linen. And then they would want to hurry up and bury the body as soon as possible so the body didn't decompose. But they didn't bury Tabitha right away because something was going on. See, in verse 38, it says, For as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, it was about eight miles down the road. And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. So eight miles down the road, and that's not very far. And They say bad news travels fast, but I guess good news does too. Because this miracle had taken place, and everybody and down, you know, everybody down in Lydda was 
getting saved because of what miracle that occurred with Aeneas. And uh, so everybody heard about Peter's down there, and, and he's done, done a miracle, and Aeneas, the guy we've been knowing, I mean, he's eight, 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 eight miles down the road. You know people in Joppa, knew people in Lena, and they in their churches, so you know good and well they, they had heard of one another. They knew of Aeneas, and he's that little crippled guy down there. He's walking. He don't even lay down on that bed no more, sit around and beg no more. Hey, he, he's, a, he's a walking fella. He's getting around and he's serving God. So they said, hey, we got to get we got to get Peter down here quick. So the disciples, notice this, the disciples that sent for Peter. It didn't say the saints sent for him. It said the disciples. These were believers. These were the ones who were full of faith. These were the ones who, who were full of the Holy Ghost of God. These were the people that truly sought the Lord and his power and his might and his will in their lives. And don't let that bother you. There, there, there's, there's, there aren't such things as super Christians. There's not two classes of Christians. Not a group of Christians who are able to do things that you could never do. Don't get that idea. So, well, I'd never be like them. I couldn't be like that. They ain't super Christians. They ain't one okay. There's no F under their, their cloak. Everybody that's saved can be a disciple of the Lord. Every one of us. There's not a single one of us in here that God wouldn't do something with. Every one of us can be filled with the Holy Ghost of God if you saved. Every one of us can be used of God. There's no reason to think that you couldn't be. Verse 39, Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and making the coats and garments which, uh, showing rather, showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. Now, I just want to tell you, this, this, this reminds me of another thing that happened. And I'll just read it to you if I want to ask you to turn over there. Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 38, Jesus is called into a, the house. The Bible says in verse 35, while he yet spake there came from the ruler of the synagogues, how certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh into the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. Now we saw with, with Tabitha that there are widows there with their coats and garments all laid out, probably a table there, they've laid everything out. To show people, this, look at what all this lady did when she was with us. What a blessing she was. Well, <clears throat> they, they come to this house, and, and there's all these, the Bible talks about, he seeth, Jesus saw the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. You may not know this, but it was customary with the Jews when somebody passed away, they would hire professional mourners. Seems kind of odd, don't it? They would hire people to stand outside and or come inside and just weep and wail and put on a big show. I guess it was to facilitate others being able to mourn. I don't know what it was for, but Jesus was aggravated with them. And there wasn't any need to hire them in Tabitha's case. There were real mourners there. And they were weeping over a great loss that's going to be felt by their church and their community. They truly loved her. And she had a tremendous testimony of loving Christ. And the room had to have been filled with all the things that she had made and all the things that she had done for others. They, they put it on display, the works, so others could see when they came in. And 
You see, there's no way to serve Christ without serving others. This was a woman who served the Lord. What did she do? She did for other people. Nobody can serve Jesus Christ in a vacuum. If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to do something for other people. It's not about yourself. Verse 40, but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. Now, I can't be 100% sure of this, but I think the Holy Ghost of God, since Peter was there that day with Jesus, when he went in to a similar situation, and I think the Holy Ghost reminded him of that situation that he was in, because it was very similar. And and Peter, here he is, he's on his knees. The Bible says he got them all out of there. He put them all forth. He kneeled down and he prayed. And he's praying for the power of the Holy Ghost. He's praying, God, I can't do anything here. You're going to have to do something. Now listen to what happened, Mark, with Jesus. Verse 39 through 42. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth, and they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, and he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha, Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years old, and they were all astonished with a great astonishment. Now, very similar situation, and I feel like Peter reflected on that. He kneels down in there. He got everybody out. He kneels down in there. He prays for God to do something, and then the Bible says, and turn him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. It wasn't the same words because he said Talitha, which is damsel, but it sure sounds close. He said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes. And she saw Peter, and she sat up. Second Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 says, Therefore we're always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know, even though this brought joy to these disciples in Joppa, I can't help but feel bad for Tabitha. I really can't, because she was in the presence of the Lord and had to return to this filthy world. Now, they were all rejoicing, but I can't help but think she would have thought, boy, I sure would have liked to stay where I was. And she, he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Now, it was Jesus Christ who did that. It wasn't Peter. It was him working through the person of his Holy Ghost working through the, the vehicle of Peter to make her alive and bring her back to life. And, and, and Jesus has that power, you see. He has the power to give life. Amen? Too many of us, well, we, 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 we get backslid. And what are we, we like? We, it's like we're, we're dead. We've got no life in us. There's no joy. There's no, there's no peace. There's no, there's no life that Christ gives. Why? Because we're not leaning into it. We're not drawing from it. We're not living in it. We're sitting down satisfied with what we got. Jesus don't sit down by you and say, okay, we'll just wait here. He wants you up. He wants you walking with him. Remember, it's a straight and narrow path. It's not a park bench. It's a path. Ephesians 2.1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Again, quickened means he gave life to you. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. 
Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. First John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. We're not talking about just life that you get when you're born into this world. We're talking about God putting his own life into you. God giving you life that you don't have of your own self. Verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And I know somebody might say, well, why, why does this have to happen? Why, why, why did this girl have to die to be raised for death and all this? It was all for the Lord's glory. That's why. That souls might be saved. Again, you see here, it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Many believed in the Lord in Lydda because of Aeneas being healed. Many believed in the Lord in Joppa because of her being raised from the dead. God, when he works, people get saved. I mean, it's a testimony. It's evidence of life that attracts people to Jesus. People, listen, lost people, they're, they're wandering aimlessly through this world, realizing that they've got an expiration date and not knowing what to do about it. They know this whole world's hard and they don't know how to, other people deal with it. But listen to me, when they see a, a glimmer of light peeking out of a Christian who seemingly has peace in the middle of this chaos, they say, there's something to that. I need to watch that guy. I need to watch that lady. There's something different about her. There's something different about him. I want to, I want to watch them a little while and see what it is. It's a testimony people can see when we walk with Jesus and when we lean on him through the hardships of this world. Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now listen to me. I'm wrapping this up. If we care whether or not sinners around us burn in hell, if we care at all, we'll walk with Jesus. We'll walk with Jesus to maintain an effective testimony before this world around us. See, anybody can witness with their lips, but you back up that witness with your lies. You see, a worldly Christian can be prompted to witness to somebody, but if there's not any life of Christ showing through their life, their words fall flat. The Holy Spirit ain't going to use a backslid Christian whose life and testimony is in shambles to be a powerful witness unless he's changed that life. Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom... Ye shine as lights in the world. The darker this world gets, the brighter the light of Christ shines in the life of those who are close to him and are seeking him and are leaning on him and are following him and are obeying him. And we're going to see, as we see here in verse 43, it came past that he carried many days into Joppa with one Simon, a tanner, we're going to turn, and we're going to turn there next Sunday, and we're going to begin there at Simon the Tanner's house. But I just want to say to you this morning: you see Aeneas, he's just sitting around doing nothing, satisfied with his little tiny existence, not doing much of anything for the Lord. He was happy there. God came along, changed that. Immediately, he has value that he didn't have before. 
And then we see a woman who had tremendous value. We see the difference, the contrast between a life barely lived for God and a life that's lived completely for God. Listen to me, you and I, let's look in the mirror. Where are we at in our Christian life? Where are you in your Christian walk? I'm not trying to get mad at you or fuss at you. I'm concerned that we all need to, need to answer that question. The Bible says examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Listen, that's not whether you're saved. That's whether you're walking in the faith. We need to check and see where our feet are. You know what? We, we, need, to, we need to think about reading our Bible more than we are. We need to think about our prayer life. We need to think about doing for others so that our light shine in this old dark world. Amen. And you know what? If we do that, we'll see changes around us. We'll see changes in our own sphere of people we know. And, and, and if enough of that goes on, we'll see, see this church, see these seats start to be filled with more people. We'll see people getting saved. We'll see lives change. We'll see good things happening if we'll, if we'll simply get up and quit sitting around being satisfied with where we are. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation, number 137. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing. I urge you this morning, if God spoke to you, come into business with God or do business where you're sitting, but don't tell him, I'll get to you later. He's working on your heart now. Tell him while he's working. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray this morning that you do a work in us. Lord, use this invitation time. Lord, I pray, Father, to, to Lord, allow people time to come and, and to get things straight between themselves and you. Father, I, I, I need you. I can say first and foremost that I need you more than I've ever needed you. Lord, I know that, that I, I Lord, I backslide too. I backslide at times, and I need you so much. Father, forgive me. Lord, I pray that you help me walk closer to what I ought to be. And Lord, let others see Christ in me. Lord, let me be effective for you in this old world we live in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 137. Thank you. 